Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on October 23rd, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. This is what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. This is what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the, the president and CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course with us because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Well, actually, uh, Jackie isn't with us, but hey, Kelly, how are you? I unmute her uh, microphone. Kelly, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a voice today. Um, I, I said I'm fabulous. It's Fabulous Friday. Hi, Joe. How are you? Yay, hi. I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm 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 having an out of body body experience today. Do tell. Well, it's just you know that old uh, black magic. Uh, Bitcoin is at an all time, oh, well, not an all time high, but a, a a yearly high, and it's the kind of thing you know you know if you're into stocks when the stocks are up life is good, or if you're into cryptocurrency, when the cryptos are up, life is good. It's just one of those days for me. I'm I'm extremely uh, having a great day. <laughs> uh, it makes me very happy to hear that you're happy and you're yeah. having a great day. Thank yeah, you. that's Thank you. we all need more, we all need more great days this this year. Yes, um, yes we do. Yeah, any year, but um, we I, I you know I always look for the happiness and always look for the rainbow and. Um, you know, we can dwell on the negativity or we can celebrate um, large or small victories. That's the way I look at it. So I try to celebrate um, and look for the positive. <laughs> also, I had a, a wonderful show yesterday. We were interviewing people who are running for the governing uh, board of trustees for El Camino College. We had three mm-hmm. amazing guests yesterday very accomplished people and and they seem like uh they will uh shepherd in a, a literally a new era uh at El Camino College and uh it was very hopeful i mean it was just very hopeful and uh um you know it's three there are five districts in the El Camino um uh governing board of trustees purview uh, it's like mm-hmm. uh, the uh, it's like the supervisors of LA County or the board of directors of uh, Beach City's health district. They're elected, and mm-hmm. uh, they're going to have a lot of a, a great impact. And I'm really excited for the students and families that that benefit from El Camino uh, in the South Bay. So it's going to be a, yeah, uh, a great thing. Going nice. Yeah, no, very nice. And El Camino College is. Um, such a important part 
of this area, the South Bay, and, um, you know, extending east also, just kind of out of the immediate South Bay area. Um, Such a great resource for so many students of all ages, you know, in all the cities around here. So that's exciting to hear. Um, I can't wait to to meet them myself. in fact, uh, it's interesting <laughs> you say that. I know because I ha- I'm looking at our newsletter from yesterday, and we have a little ad um, that's called, you know, State of the College, and that is uh, State of El Camino College, and it's on Friday, yeah. November 13th. You can sign up for that um, mm-hmm. online. I don't know if you guys talked about that yesterday or not, but I'm, I just happened to be looking okay. at it right here in front of me. It's um Stay with the college and, you know, learn about um, the impacts from, econo- uh, from COVID-19, uh, changes in the, econ- you know, in the environmental and in the educational um, sphere. Keynote speaker is Dina Maloney. But um, Friday, November 13th, 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. via Zoom. Um, so you can sign up. Um, go, you can go to alcaminocollege.edu um, or call the Chamber of Commerce, of course, and we can share the information with you. But um, – um, that's mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Education, you know, is our future. So that's so important. Right. Speaking right. of young minds, education, and all that, um, last weekend mm-hmm. was um, the national competition for the Young Entrepreneurs Academy. I spoke, um, I was excited for that upcoming. Um, we talked about it last Friday. But um, our finalist from Manhattan Beach, Taylor Ryan, um, competed. So it went from about a thousand, you know, students throughout the uh, year in the program to the final, or uh, semifinal, 36 students chosen from all around the country, different cities, um, to compete in what also was done virtually. Of course, normally it would be done in Rochester, New York, but had to be done virtually. Um, and Taylor first competed in the morning at about 10:30 in the morning, and in panel number two, and she um, uh, won her panel, and so advanced mm-hmm. to the very final round of eight. So it went from a thousand to 36 to eight, and she competed again later in the afternoon um, for the you know the top three uh, prizes and scholarship money and People's Choice Award. Um, she did not place in the top three, which I have to say with an unbiased opinion, um, many people were surprised. Um, she knocked it out of the park with both her presentations. Her product is a protective gear, you know, for women and girls right. in sports, uh, in aggressive right. sports uh, to protect their breasts. And um, it's, you know, it's a modern day, uh, wonderful version, you know, that's soft on the inside harder on the outside and has all this new technology. Anyways, um, she didn't place. However, she is a winner in our minds. Um, She is 13 years old, uh, quite a remarkable young lady, and her and her family are 100% committed to advancing her product. There's patent pending and bring it to fruition and, you know, get it into um, all level of of female aggressive sports. And um, somebody, um, uh, my board of directors reminded her that the 2028 Olympics would be a great place to have her product. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a great goal to have. So very uh, uh, proud of, of Miss Taylor Ryan. She is quite impressive. So um, top eight in the country, not bad. And, and by the way, uh, they only announced the top or the first, second, and third you know, place. She could have been number four. We don't know. Uh, so, but she <laughs> that was um, very exciting. So, um, very proud of her. Right. And then, right. let's see, what else? Last Friday, um, I was very fortunate um, to help organize and meet and greet um, a group of students um, from Marymount University up on the hill in Palos Verdes, talking about education. It's kind of an Education Friday here, Joe. Um, And this was um, kind of a a social studies and diversity class from Marymount um, led by Professor Carlos Royal. And he brought his class down to a field trip, um, on a field trip to Bruce's Beach in Manhattan Beach. And um, he was met by myself, a former mayor, Mitch Ward, Councilwoman Hildy Stern, um, Jennifer Lamarque from Supervisor Janet Hahn's office, and then Kristen Long from the Manhattan Beach Historical Society also um, met and gave a little talk about the history of Bruce's Beach, as did 
former mayor Mitch Ward. And uh, Mitch also went over the renaming of the park years ago from Park Culiacan to now Bruce's Beach. And um, wow, really interesting information, really fabulous to meet these students. They had great ideas for us in the city. Um, we had ideas for them. And, you know, it was, uh, we all made fat friends and uh, really, I think, you know, all of us really, really enjoyed it. And then one of our local restaurants uh, went out of their way to provide lunch for these um, about 18 people. And she made a lunch with food that would have been reminiscent of Bruce's Lodge, you know, decades and decades and decades ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fried chicken, biscuits and rhubarb cobbler. I mean, she just went out of her way to study the menus back, you know, in those days and really kind of cool. So super fun, kind of a cultural experience for all of us. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I know um, they did too. So, you know, those things are important. Uh, We need to share cities and share information and kind of cross pollinate, you know, more to learn from each other more often. Um, (laughs) I really yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, and then uh, this is a big weekend. We need to talk about two things. Um, uh, first of all, downtown Manhattan Beach has partnered with the Park City Parks and Rec Department for a pumpkin decorating contest on um, Sunday, October 25th. Um, you decorate your pumpkin, you can carve it, you can decorate it, you can bedazzle it, you can paint it, whatever you want to do, and you bring it down to Met- Metlox Plaza in the afternoon, and there's going to be a judging contest with some fun uh, little prizes. You can actually drop it off between 10 a.m. Um, and like 3 p.m. on on Sunday, uh, but there's going to be some fun prizes. So it's kind of in place of what would have been the pumpkin race weekend, which we all know cannot happen because of the pandemic. And then also on the um, 25th, um, normally what also happened before the pumpkin races, is the annual Skechers Friendship Walk. Um, This is such a huge event every year that – gosh, usually attracts about five to 10,000 people come down into downtown Manhattan Beach to join the celebration, all the entertainment, and walk the Strand to raise money um, for the schools mm-hmm. in the South Bay, not just Manhattan Beach. And, of course, that's virtual um, this year. So um, that will be held on Sunday virtually. You can register to walk virtually which means you're going to kind of tune in and watch all that entertainment and then maybe you know, get a team in your neighborhood and walk your neighborhood. Or you can still come down and walk the Strand or downtown Manhattan Beach. Um, but they'll be streaming live starting at 10 a.m. on Sunday. You can go to SketchersFriendshipWalk.com to register and to walk. Uh, we encourage you to do that. Um, their goal is to mm-hmm. raise $2 million. Um, again, all that goes into the school's and special programs in this area. So far, they're at $1.66 million. They're just, they're getting close to their goal. So we need your help. Um, They have a star lineup of entertainment um, that will be, um, you know, singing, dancing, talking. Um, I know uh, it's amazing. It really, it's, it's, it's a fantastic event and the production I'm sure will be um, A plus. So very important. Tune in, donate, walk, um, right. and join in the celebration. So um, anyway, those <laughs> are the big things those are the big things happening. Um, other than that, the, you know, the big thing we're headed towards um, is um, you know, November third, um, people are voting left and right, taking advantage of all the drop off boxes. Um, there's been local debates. There's been national debates. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> we are, what, 10 days? I, I Yes. I, are we about 10 days away from the election? I can't wait till it's over. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's uh, so many important um, positions, as you mentioned, Alphamia College. You know, we have three city right. council seats open, uh, Beach City's Health District. Right. 
um, of course, the presidential election, and there are so right. many propositions um, and things on the ballot oh, that um, people have to navigate. And I'm excited to have our guest on today to help us navigate a few of the ones that are related to real estate and, and property. I, I, I think, um, you know, in this, uh, you know, if we if we it's funny on on YouTube, if you mention COVID-19, uh, YouTube uh, algorithm will sometimes demonetize your your um, your stream because uh, they're trying to tamp down people, you know, being too sensational with COVID-19. So people normally refer to it on YouTube as 19 or uh, this other famous oh, YouTuber that I follow. He calls it Corona Rona <laughs> or something. Oh, like that's that. funny. Yeah. But it is it is amazing. But if there is one area uh that has been uh you know more affected, I don't know, uh than real estate uh because of corona uh of, because of COVID nineteen, I don't know which one there would be and all of the issues with with moratoriums on eviction and uh you know one after another down the line we need an expert kelly can we find an <laughs> expert on real estate that we can we can ask these questions can we uh you know what joe you ask and the chamber delivers always so yes excellent. we can excellent i almost said jackie but kelly who is our guest today Okay, Joe, our guest this morning is Julie Tran from the South Bay Association of Realtors. Julie graduated from the University of California, Davis, with a degree in political science. There, she also worked for a member of California State Senate representing Orange County. Her career in public service continued as a district staff member for California's 47th Congressional District, which united Los Angeles and Orange County. In addition, Julie is an active grassroots organizer, helping to elect candidates and support issues at all levels of government. She has worked on public policy and advocacy for organized real estate for the last four years at the state level and now represents the South Bay Association of Realtors as their government affairs director, where she manages and implements local government affairs and political activities in support of the real estate industry and the members of the association. This morning, Julie will explain for us the real estate-related propositions on the November ballot. Well, welcome to the program, Julie. We're so glad you could join us this morning. And I apologize if everybody just heard those sirens. I didn't want to mute myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry. I was right at the right. punchline. Anyways, um, Julie, right. welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much, and thank you. That's pretty much uh, entrance music for me. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me this morning. And uh, it seems like it's a little bit of a strategy that you have this on Friday mornings. Everyone must be in a better mood. So happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> right, right. We, we, that's my it's, line. It's I always say the, happy Friday. <laughs> it's part of the plan. And we're so thrilled to have you because it is one of the areas that has been, you know, in the news for so many families, uh, um, you know, uh, housing insecurity, uh, food insecurity has been top of mind uh, for so many people in the South Bay that are so generous in providing yeah. uh, and, and donating meals and donating uh, support for those less fortunate. And then those less fortunate uh, those people that are really um, struggling with uh, uh, the, this pandemic do not include people that struggled before. It's a lot of hardworking people whose whose businesses have forcibly been closed, or they've been forcibly, um, uh, you know, not allowed to be at full capacity and and had to lay off people and furlough people. It's it's been. Uh, one heck of a year. Uh, Kelly, what do you say, uh, 2020 go away or <laughs> something? It's <laughs> terrible. Please tell us. I want to give give us an overview, first off, Julie, of the South Bay Association of Realtors, the size and scope 
of the South Bay Association of Realtors, so we can get a, a, a sense of, yeah. of, of the, the scope of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Please. Thank you for having me again. Um, so the South Bay Association of Realtors uh, represents over 5,000 Realtor members. We hit our 5,000 mark earlier this year, and that was that was a huge deal because now more than ever, um, the profession has been seen as something that can withstand uh, this up- upcoming recession. And our members mm. range over 15 cities in the South Bay, uh, south of El Segundo, LAX, and all the way into the the hills. So we don't have you know Palos Verdes uh, Peninsula, but we have everything in between. Uh, as, as far east hmm. as Carson, Hawthorne, um, and, and Lawndale. So, you know, lots, hmm. lots of area to cover, but the cities are really diverse, and so are our members. And that has really been the joy of my, my uh, tenure here is, is really listening to the different member voices. We're never going to have everyone agree on the same thing, but real estate and the realtor party, as we like to call ourselves, really pride ourselves on being uh, bipartisan. We're able to work with both sides of the party, and now more than ever, we're, we're seeing that that's really important. It is. It's, it's terribly important. And so where yeah. do we start, Julie? Because it's, it's been such a, a blizzard of, of, know, of right? these propositions. Where, where do we start? Absolutely, you know. Let's 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 meet, let's call the three out first of all. You know the three propositions that that affect real estate and that have huge implications for the real estate industry are prop, propositions 15, 19, and 21. Now they're all odd numbers. They're easy to remember. There's three of them, and uh, they do some pretty immense things to to what we have seen as the norm. Um, the third rail of politics is on the table. Prop 13 is on the table uh, this year more than ever. And um, this is this is a race that we've never seen before. You know, tens of millions of dollars uh, is being thrown at these propositions from both sides to support and oppose. And um, yeah, this I, I would normally, you know, love for this kind of lawmaking to be happening at in Sacramento, where it begin, where, where experts can take a stab at this, but now, you know, everyday voters uh, who don't have the time to sit down and read the blizzard of information that's coming at them are being asked to vote on some pretty monumental <laughs> propositions. So we can we can start with fifteen, um, and then kind of go from there. Okay, Is that, okay? that would be wonderful. I yes, think, please. I think 15 does make the biggest broad brush changes uh, to prop to okay. proposition 13. So we know and love Prop 13 in California. It was passed in order to keep property taxes low, uh, and, and and this is in direct response to homeowners who suddenly saw their property values rising, and with that rise came doubling, quadrupling. Uh, property taxes bill. So um, the mm-hmm. Prop 13 was passed to only keep your property taxes based on the purchase price and allowed to rise by 2% the rate of inflation every year. Uh, and this applies to both residential and commercial slash industrial properties. Uh, and uh, the 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 proposition has been blamed for in a lot of cases uh, for for the for the declining revenue to local uh, local governments and and schools. And so proponents of Prop 15 have put this on the ballot. It's bankrolled by the California uh, Teachers Association to take commercial properties out of this equation. Commercial and industrial properties are uh, now, if Prop 15 passes, would be taxed on a rolling basis, on their market rate. Now, there are uh, exemptions to this, which we'll go into. You know, it, it, it's touted as only affecting those large businesses, right? We're thinking the Disney's mm-hmm. and the Walmarts of California. The benchmark here is $3 million in holdings in California. The, the, the caveat is it's $3 million of, uh, of total holding of the owner or even partial owner of that property, of that business or uh, uh, corporation. So we're 
really concerned about that $3 million because it will affect owners of multi-unit strip malls, retail centers, office buildings that have purchased it. You know, if if you purchased it back in uh, the 80s for a million dollars, you're still getting assessed. Uh, by on on that on that base, and and mm-hmm. your tenants who have been you know who are small businesses who have been enjoying that same rate you know pays for a portion of that property tax. Uh, the major major concern from the business industry is if Prop 15 passes, that quadrupling of property taxes will inevitably be passed down to small businesses and then, of course, step two, consumers. During this time, during this recession that California is definitely heading into, it's really just not the time for this kind of broad brush change. So, Prop 15 does uh, set aside, it, it promises to set aside money that would go directly into schools and local governments, which is the major, major selling point, which is why it's been polling kind of well lately. <laughs> so the mm. uh, the latest poll from the Public Policy Institute has it at 49%. So it's going to be a 49% support. <laughs> so it's going to be really interesting to watch <laughs> right. moving forward. Right. 49. Yeah, just but just a few just a few weeks ago, the the same uh, poll had it at 51. So we're we're seeing it bubbling around a little bit uh, as more people figure out what it would actually do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Julie, this was a concern of business owners um, before the pandemic struck. I mean, this, the you know, the fear, this, uh, the, the possible passage of this proposition um, started this time last year, really, when people started really talking about it, heated up particularly in January and February as we were heading, you know, into um, the beginning of 2020 and uh, way before the pandemic was uh, even a thought in anybody's mind. And uh, then the pandemic hits. And I, um, you know, it's what's interesting about this is um, the $3 million in holding. So it affects any uh, property owner, uh, commercial or industrial property owner um, that has an aggregate of $3 million in holdings. And in um, the beach cities, uh, probably most of the California coastal area, um, from, you know, the top of the state down to the bottom of the state, um, properties are so expensive um, that that could literally $3 million could be the value of one unit in a beach city, let alone most, you know, commercial um, properties just like here in Manhattan Beach. They own, you know, the entire block or they own half the block. One unit could be be worth that. I mean, the dirt is worth that now in in these areas. So as much as it, um, I I understand how it can help education and all that, um, if you know, and 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 there are so many buildings, um, and I can speak, you know, just for Manhattan Beach particularly, that have been owned, you know, for decades. So yes, they are being assessed at a lower value, um, or they're passed mm-hmm. through a trust in a family, you know, but they're owned within mm-hmm. a family or you know something for decades, and almost every commercial land, retail landlord that I know. Um, they all pass along, you know, all their expenses, the taxes, um, all maintenance, everything for their buildings to their tenants. They divide it up amongst the tenants, you know, square footage in, um, in their building. Right. Um, I think there's very few that don't do that. And so if this is passed, this is literally going to put businesses out of business everywhere, right. because, large and small. Because I know even larger companies um, that own vast amounts, or not own, but um, occupy vast properties, you know, are, are concerned with this. And so, um, and I think the average, you know, voter just isn't aware of that. Everybody's looking at how, of course, we want more funding for, you know, schools and other things, but they're schools aren't going to be any good if businesses are out of business and then the housing market drops. I mean, this is really so problematic. And not that I don't, you know, where's the happy balance? I know we can't strike a happy balance in the proposition is written the way it is and it's on the ballot, you know, Mm -hmm. but man, I mean, and, and now you add in the pandemic and, 
you know, even a little increase in any of their utility bills or anything, it sets people over the edge right now. So I, I just, I am really afraid of the, um, uh, the effect this is going to have if it passes. Right. Um, it's mm-hmm. frightening. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and your point is very, very important, Kelly, is this is, this is a broad brush change on the ballot. Um, this kind of change to the California Constitution, you know, it was, it was put on the ballot by, by one association, by the uh, California Teachers Association, where it did not have any input from the major stakeholders. It didn't have input from the business uh, community, which is why the California Business Roundtable is very adamantly against it. They, they have put in uh, over $46 million to, to try to oppose this. Uh, usually, you know, the, legislatively, the uh, our senators and our state assembly members would be able to take a look at something like this and try better to strike that balance if they were the ones to put a proposition this wide and, and this far reaching on uh, on our election ballot. Uh, but mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the fact that it was one entity doing it, you're, it's going to be really hard to find that 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 balance, the workable balance, especially the timing of it. Right? This is you know this is, this is right. The Mm-hmm. I have a question, and I really I don't know the answer, which is why I'm asking it. If this passes, um, in you know the legal state government you know <laughs> uh, proposition world, <laughs> is it possible to um, if the parties agreed, you know, um, to freeze it for a period of time or anything, or or once it pa- uh, passes, is it automatically signed in? So it the, the the once it passes it is due to be phased in definitely. So the phase in period begins in fiscal year 2022 to 2023 um mm-hmm. and those are for the the properties worth 3 million dollars or more. Um it it does have some language in the in in the proposition to to phase in the small businesses um that's uh, you know the retail centers uh, in beginning in 2025 to 2026, and mm-hmm. and during this phase in period, you know, we've seen and heard from county assessors' offices, the California Assessors Association, which normally doesn't take any ballot initiative positions, have actually come out and been very vocally against Prop 15. Due to the sheer size and, and, and force that it would take to actually implement uh, and cost that it would take to implement this. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the timing alone, um, with the cost alone, they estimate it's going to cost over $500 million, at least in the first year, to try to implement something like this. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! Mm-hmm. And um, any changes, and any changes to it would have to go back on the ballot because this is a, a California state constitution uh, amendment. Right. It would have to go back on the ballot for another vote if if it passes. And we all realize what an immense uh, negative uh, effect it's having. So it's going to be wow. very costly mm-hmm. once again to to try to change Prop 15 if it passes. Right. Okay, well, and thank you for uh, the dates okay. and dates and all that, too. Very, very interesting. Um, Joe, before we go to the next proposition, uh, 19, shall we take a station break? Yes. Sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show. We come to you every uh, Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. A hyper-local podcast focused on the best of uh, the best to be found in the South Bay, which means from El Segundo south to Palos Verdes and then from the water uh, east to Torrance, um, the South Bay in general in, in, in large. And uh, we, we, we try to focus on all of the best things that, that are available or the issues that are affecting your life here locally and then we do all of that same thing that we do on thursday we do on friday but with a special emphasis on the city of manhattan beach and the members of the manhattan beach chamber because we are uh, proudly sponsored by the manhattan beach chamber on fridays 
And so uh, with that, please uh, uh, participate live, uh, or you can also uh, uh, participate, participate in podcast with any smart speaker, uh, the series and the Alexas and the Googles of the world just say, uh, play the South Bay show and you'll get the latest uh, podcast. So please do join us on a regular basis. And today, talking about property, uh, uh, real estate uh, uh, related propositions on the ballot is just one example of, of, of the kinds of things that we do on a regular basis that you can share with your neighbors and friends and, and really get educated. So, Julie, what's next? What's, what's next? We have Proposition 19. And I am a little more partial to Prop 19 uh, simply because it will help to free up a lot of that inventory in the real estate uh, market that, that we're in desperate need of, especially in California. So uh, Prop 19 is titled the Property Tax Transfers, Exemptions, and Revenue for Wildfire Agencies mm-hmm. and Counties Amendment. Uh, that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. But basically, if we all remember back in 2018, uh, Prop 5 was on the ballot. Do you remember? Mm. Kind of. <laughs> Ring a bell. Uh, that was kind for yeah, yeah. portability. That was, that, that was the same thing. Yeah, it was for uh, property tax portability uh, for senior homeowners, uh, victims of natural disasters, and homeowners who are disabled. So uh, seniors in this case is defined as 55 or older. And um, right now we have Prop 60 and Prop 90, which allow them to transfer the property tax base if they're moving from a house to relocate and they have some requirements. You know, they have to move within the same county or to one of only 10 counties in in California that have signed up for the inter-county transfer and they have to buy a house of the same or lesser value. So right now they have those provisions in place in Prop 60 and Prop 90. Um, What Prop 19 would do is expand it. Yes, so it would allow them to take their property tax with them three times instead of just one. They could buy a house of any price, and if they buy a house that is a higher price than the one they just sold, which a lot of times in the South Bay is going to be the, the, the case. If you have a senior homeowner who even is downsizing, they're moving to another property, they could be looking at a property that costs more than the one they're selling. Um, they would still be able to take their property tax with them and pay a blended basis. So they'll take the the, the tax base for as high as uh, the, the value of the home they just sold and any of the difference in, in the buy price, they'll pay market rate on that. And uh, they'll be mm-hmm. able to move anywhere in the state of California. So it removes that county restriction too. Uh, this is, mm-hmm. if it passes, it is going to take effect April of 2021. And that's the operative date here, but there is a little caveat to that. If, if you have um, sold your home and, and you have this, this allows for two years between selling and buying your home to be able to take advantage of the property tax transfer. So that means if you've even sold your home in, say, May 2019 um, or lost your home, you know, unfortunately, if you're a victim of you know, the recent wildfires, um, you'll still have two years. To, to be able to buy a replacement home and take your tax savings with you. Mm. So mm. the second part to this is the intergenerational tax reform, which creates a revenue fund actually for, for state wildfire agencies and counties to offset um, any, any loss in, in tax revenue from, from the senior uh, tax savings. So um, by reforming Prop 58 and Prop 193, this would uh, require if you have a uh, inherited home, you know, parent to child or grandparent to, to grandchild, the child, the heir must move into the home within a year of inheriting it in order to take their tax base uh, from, from, from the parent or their grandparent. Um, this mm-hmm. is different this would be different than what we can do right now of course you know for uh, with prop 58 and prop 193 you can transfer the entire tax base 
and 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 regard and that's regardless of whether the heir lives in the home or continues to use it as an investment property. This would kind of close that up a little more, um, but the polling has shown that with this uh, requirement and in and, and and along with the one million dollars of additional um, property increase that the child can inherit. It, it actually covers about 95% of all uh, inherited property transfers in California. So, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, this is Prop 19 is put on the ballot by the California legislature. They have vetted this. They've voted on this on a bipartisan basis. And not only does this free up those homes that seniors have been sitting in, in for uh, over 20 years, uh, because they don't want to see their their property tax increase, even though they have all this equity they're sitting on, um, to move into a home that better suits their needs, freeing up those homes for families and really benefiting everyone in California, including uh, people who want to be first-time homeowners, uh, to have more options when they enter the market. So this will, it, it, certainly in terms of the the realtor community, this will free up more inventory as well, because people will now be willing to sell. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, And we've seen inventory in California. um, We we kind of track that by the amount of unsold inventory each month. We've seen that Mm -hmm. just plunge in the last, especially in the last few months, uh, not only because of our restricted supply, we're not building enough, uh, but also because of COVID and people not really wanting to um, have, have that change. And this has been the, the pattern for the last 18, 20 years where the families or, or senior homeowners have, have been reluctant to sell. Um, the rate of turnover is, is very, very low now because of, of the, the restrictions on seniors if they were to, to leave that one-time tax savings behind. So, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, senior housing uh, in California is the easiest thing to to get through uh, local city governments to get to get developed. So this is also seen as a an incentive for for cities and counties to approve more senior housing now now that seniors can can be able to uh, more freely move about <laughs> freeing up those mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a question. Yeah, I have a question, um, Julie, on this one. Uh, about a, kind of a, like a rental situation. So if I've, if I've been passed along a property um, from, you know, within my family from, you know, my parents, um, and I now am the owner technically on title of that property, and I'm using that property as a rental property. Um, mm-hmm. And will I, will, you know, I be reassessed on, uh, if I'm not moving it, I'm not selling the property. I'm just keeping. I'm continuing uh-huh. to keep it as a as a rental. Will I be reassessed um, with any different change in property tax? Mm-hmm. You know, or if I was to pass that along to my children, um, you know, after I guess April of 2021, would it be reassessed? You know, to them. Do you, are you familiar like with the rental property? Yes, so rental property would be considered investment property under Prop 19. It really doesn't make a difference between, you know, whether you have rental property or say you have a small business that you're passing on. That would be that additional um, investment property that right now um, you can pass as much as a million dollars worth of other real estate to to your to your heirs without reassessment. That would mm-hmm. change, yeah, un, under Prop 19. That would get reassessed to the current market value, and then of course, you know, Prop 13 takes over again. You your 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 heirs will only get reassessed one time uh, if they do not choose to move into the property within a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so then the last part of my, uh, my well, actually my next question along that would be if I choose to sell that property and it's, the value is under a million dollars, let's just say I choose to sell it in a year or two, um, uh-huh. that investment property, and I, I have no way of transferring that tax base um, let's let's say I, I sold that property under a million dollars, and then I use um, you know the net from that sale to purchase another 
rental property uh-huh. or a, a home for myself. Um, I can't keep that same tax base from that rental property, correct? That is you very know? interesting. So, the, so, so if um, if you qualify under a prop thirteen, a prop nineteen transfer, the portability transfer. That is, you know, I won't ask you uh, your age. Um, I, <laughs> but say you do this in. Uh, 20 years, right? And you have an investment property and you move into that property as your primary home before selling it. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the, the tax base is at the original value. Then you can utilize the portability aspect when you sell it and buy your replacement home. If you sell it as an investment property, same rules will apply to whether, uh, to if you pass it on to your heir, it has to be reassessed. Yeah. Okay. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, Good to know. Well, er, you know, yeah. I, everything is always so complex. Any proposition, no matter what it is, there's always Absolutely. so many different areas to it that is, is yeah. so important to understand. And I, and I, you know, I think in, in my position, yours, Joe, you interview so many people. Yes. I think we learn a lot more because of it. But I think the average person just doesn't always, you know, understand. And it's hard to navigate all this information too. Um, you know, all the different things. So, okay, um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's so, a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I also want to mention um, for for the inheritance part, you know, many of us will remember the Jeff Bridges story in the L.A. Times, right, mm-hmm. uh, that, mm-hmm. that it was pointed out that um, many investment properties were being passed on without reassessment, uh, resulting in very low property taxes and investment properties that are uh, performing really well in the market and, 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 and receiving a lot of rental income for the heirs. And this idea has been floated in the California legislature. There was actually a bill to do this very same thing as the second part of Prop 19 um, in the legislature. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, the, the, the intergenerational part of this does affect uh, properties in the South Bay uh, a little more, little more heavily due to our sheer property value here, uh, even if it, does, it doesn't pass in Prop 19, this, this reform is on the table so, you know, hmm. getting getting that into Prop 19, allowing for seniors to move, and creating that fund for wildfire agencies, um, it kind of is trying to strike that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a little over 10 minutes to cover Prop 21. <laughs> Want to dive into that one, okay. Natalie? Let's do it. Yeah. So um, to understand Prop 21, we really need to know about this very uh, helpful law in the rental market for property or for housing providers, which is called the Costa Hawkins Rental Housing Act. It was passed in 1995 to uh, exempt single family homes, new construction, anything built after 95 uh, from rent control uh, at the local level. So a big misnomer about Prop 21 is that it changes the statewide rent control rent cap, um, which it doesn't. It only opens up the doors for local cities and counties to enact more rent control on homes uh, and rental units that have not been oak controlled before because of Costa Hawkins. The other big piece of Costa Hawkins that uh, Prop 21 seeks to dismantle is uh, what is referred to as vacancy decontrol which means if you have a rent-controlled uh, multifamily, and uh, it's been rent-controlled since 1978, you know, and, and a tenant moves out of one of the units, you're able to take that one unit back up to market rate before you allow another tenant in and re-control it under that market rate. This has allowed a lot of property owners to keep their uh, units on the market, uh, even in very highly rent-controlled areas like Santa Monica or uh, LA City. So, Prop 21 would change all of that. It would in, uh, allow local cities and counties to, to enact rent control on single-family homes. Uh, it does exempt the, fir- the first two units that's owned by a natural person. So uh, that's townhouses, single-family homes, condos. Um, those would now be open to local rent control policies. It also would take away that new construction exemption and only apply it to uh, properties that are less than 15 years old. So as soon as your newly constructed apartment unit hits its 15-year uh, birthday, it, your, your city can enact rent control on it. And instead of vacancy decontrol, uh, Prop 21 would 
uh, enforce, would allow cities to enforce vacancy control. So even if you have a tenant move out, um, you can only take it up as much as 15% increase over the last three years of rent. So you really average the last three years of rent um, and take it up only 15% of that. And so it really will affect um, landlords and, and property owners who have been in the market for a long time and still have these rent controlled units at the rate of you know, the 90s or the 80s. Uh, being able to take it up only 15% will really cut into uh, their ability to to upkeep, maintain, uh, and 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 keep these units on the market, which will, at the end of the day, exacerbate the supply, the rental supply, especially uh, issue in in the state of California, and and end up hurting the very tenants that Prop 21 seems to want to help. So um, it's being bankrolled by, by Michael Weinstein. He uh, tried to do this back in 2018 with Prop 10, which failed by 59% of uh, voters. And uh, yeah, he's back this year with Prop 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I know, lots, I'm like, okay, lots to unpack there, brain, I know. <laughs> my, my brain's starting to explode. And you, you explain everything so well, but... I think my brain's going, okay, now wait a minute. So, and I always try to bring, like, practical, you know, applications. So um, let's go back to my family rental example. Um, mm-hmm. So the rental, uh, I, if this is passed, it allows the city municipalities to create a rent control program in any city, right? This is statewide. Um, right, this is statewide. Yeah, and uh, if if they the local municipality um, enacts their ordinance, um, it you can only raise the rent on your rental your investment property by fifteen percent mm-hmm. a year, or how often could you the raise 15%. it? The fifteen percent. So uh, rent, rental increases normally happen uh, on an annual basis. Um, the 15% is if your uh, unit is vacated. So um, the, the 15% doesn't apply, is, is not kind of the number for local governments to use in their own rent control ordinances. They can go as low as they want. You know, in, in Santa Monica, we have 3%. Um, in, in LA, we have 4%. Uh, mm-hmm. rent cap and and that does go further than the statewide rent cap which is about eight percent in LA County that's five percent plus uh, rate of inflation so there's no telling what local cities um, would do and and you know we've seen some very extreme uh, forms of rent control um, happen already but yeah so the fifteen percent is for um, units that are vacated and, mm-hmm. and instead of being able to take it back, back up to market rate, uh, as the law currently allows under Costa-Hawkins, that right. property owner would only be able to raise 15% of it over the rate of rent uh, over the last three years. Okay, got it. And then um, clarify for me, um, and I don't think it pertains to this proposition, but I think it's already been passed. Isn't there a current rule that you can only – raise a rent an investment property um rent like x percent per year what um i know i'm not crazy there's something yeah what is that (laughs) you're you're not crazy kelly and it only took place it only took effect this year in january that's ab 1482 at the state level um and that's a statewide rent cap which is five percent plus the rate of inflation okay but the statewide rent cap actually still takes Costa Hawkins into account, which means it does not currently apply to current uh, to single family homes, condos, uh, some duplexes and, and, and townhomes. And it also doesn't apply to properties built after 1995. Uh, and it mm-hmm. also still allows for vacancy deed control. So um, a lot of proponents of rent control say that this statewide rent control policy doesn't go far enough. And, and that's why, you know, they're, they're backing this, this repeal of Costa Hawkins. Um, uh, it's, it's worth to note, too, Governor Gavin Newsom has, 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 has come out against Prop 21. He wants to give the statewide um, rent cap and, and really price gouging law some time to actually work and take effect. 
and not further burden uh, uh, property owners who have already been missing rent payments in this pandemic. And they don't, their, their future is very unclear coming into the new year with all the moratoriums being extended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really um, not a good time for Prop 21. <laughs> Um, this is so amazing. I don't know how you do it. I know this is your, your job and your business, but I don't know how you guys keep all of this um, straight and all these little idiosyncrasies that are involved in each one. Um, Joe, is your head um, spinning? <laughs> I I don't know which way I'm pointing, but uh, I, all I know is that uh, this the, these props take years to be uh, you know, bubble up through uh, and and to get the signatures required to be, be on the ballot and all of those things. Everything changed in January, February. So this prop was planned long before COVID nineteen was a reality or on anyone's mind, right. and and uh, it just it's it's applying a standard to a, an environment where people are literally, uh, you know, being forced out of their jobs, forced, you know, businesses are being forced to close because of, of various conditions in the general economy. And uh, it might not be the right time for Prop 21. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, um, we'll soon find out, right? Um Right, right. We will soon find out. Um, Julie, this is so helpful. I hope people are listening, and uh, we will continue to share the information. I, you know, I, can, I can say uh, the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce came out and took a no position on Prop 15, um, but we did mm-hmm. not take a position on 19 and 21. Um, you know, we're a little bit more conservative in taking positions, but um, it, you know, regardless, it's it, this is such great information. And, you know, Julie, if people have more questions, they want clarification, what's the best way, you know, do they call your association? You know, let's guide people on if they want more information and want to be an educated voter on these um, three propositions, what should they do? Uh Uh-oh, did we lose Julie? Oh, did we lose Julie? Oh, Julia, I don't know what Julia, happened. Uh-oh. No, no, no. We did lose her, and I don't know what happened. And I'm not gave her the uh, call-in number, but I'll see if I can get her back. Okay. Um, oh. And I may not be able to get her back. I just tried once. And... No, no, no. Apparently she's not coming well, back. Well, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite sayings, I have a few, Joe, technology is a blessing <laughs> and a beast. And right now it's being a beast. Um, yes, yes, shoot. yes. Okay. Well, I know there um, are several offices of the South Bay. Um, well, there's one office for the South Bay Association of Realtors. Um, that's located right. uh, at 14829 Hawthorne Boulevard, uh, technically in Lawndale, and that serves the entire South Bay. Um, the phone number there right. is 310. Hi there. Hey, Julie. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hi, Hi Kelly. Uh, are we still on? We are we still are on. We are still on for one minute. I, Julie, I was just trying to um, give people uh, contact information if they have questions about, you know, more of this, they want to be an educated voter, who should they call? I had just given the address of the South Bay Association of Realtors on Hawthorne Boulevard. I'm just starting to read off the phone number, but I'll let you take over. So if people have questions, what should they do? You know what? Uh, they can actually reach me directly. My, uh, my direct line is area code 714-326. 3457, or they can email me at julie at southbayaor.com. And uh, I'd be happy to connect, you know, either answer their questions or connect them to the right people because a lot of people in, in our area are wanting to get more involved, right? Getting those lawn signs out, getting the word out to their uh, neighbors and friends and clients. So uh, I'm here to help. 
Very helpful. All right, Joe. <laughs> Want to take us home on this? All right. Absolutely, Julie Tran, South Bay Association of Realtors. We thank you so much for all of those clear and uh, uh, effective descriptions of what the props are going to do and what effects they're going to have. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's It's been uh, wonderful. And, and uh, I think uh, we're prepared, uh, Kelly, to, to – uh, uh, I think we've given out some great information to voters to, to make a better uh, – choice and uh this is something that i'm i'm really excited about and and grateful for and uh we're in the home stretch uh everyone yes. uh have a fantastic weekend uh the the uh the uh you know please do vote please do vote uh and uh that's it thank you kelly Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Julie, for your time this morning and uh, really a fantastic conversation and explanation of Props 15, 19, and 21. Yes, absolutely. 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 That's our show for today. Julie? Thank you. Did you have – yes? Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.